0: Welcome to episode 61 of the Hoop Threads podcast here with Point Guard Eyes, Tyler McKittrick. How's it going, Tyler?
1: Not too bad about yourself, Aaron.
0: Hey, man, I'm, I'm doing great. Just an, another day in paradise. Um, you know, it was great to meet you th- this past weekend at the WCACs. We talked a lot of the DMs and uh, over the phone a little yeah. bit about kids. So uh, really good to meet you in person and, and kind of be there with you scouting. So, um, you know, let's let's take it back to your playing career first. You know, talk about, you know, how you grew up with the game of basketball.
1: Yeah, sure. And that's exactly how uh, I would put it. I grew up with it. Uh started really early. Uh, I was born and raised in West Virginia. Um, kind of that kid that was out on the uh, the countryside playing in his driveway for, you know, six, seven hours a day. And, um, you know, make a long story short, come eighth grade, uh, a friend of mine who was living in Hagerstown gave me a call and he said, uh, you know, I, I'm going to this new school in Rockville, uh, Maryland, and, you know, they got a, a great coach and really building this program. And, I, you know, I thought maybe you want to come up and work out and see if you were, would be interested in coming up here and playing with me. Uh, it, it turned out that that school's Montrose Montrose Christian. And uh, I did come up and I, I worked out for Coach Vetter one weekend and uh, did end up, you know, moving up to Hagerstown with my friend and making that commute as an eighth grader. Hmm. um so I did go to Montrose Christian my eighth and ninth grade years had some terrific teams there I played JV uh both years dressed a little varsity my freshman year uh my eighth grade year was you know that varsity team they had Marvin Lewis who went to Georgia Tech uh they had Muhammad who went to St. John's um they had Robin Rose now a now an assistant at Coolidge he went to Quinnipiac and. I remember correctly he killed up there man I I think he was one of the top scorers in the country while he was there Um, and then they had underclassmen like Drew Hall and uh, Levi Watkins who was on that team the the next year Uh, Levi ended up being state player of the year he went to NC State Drew went to Georgetown along with the other uh, guard Tony Bethel who went to Georgetown and ended up transferring to NC State Uh, we started out with Harvey Thomas on the team who also went to Georgetown so those teams were just stacked man and uh, learned a lot playing at Montrose. Um, I did leave uh, right before my 10th grade year started, right after all the summer league stopped. Um, And because I decided to leave so late, uh, I actually just went to the public school I was zoned at, which was Northwest in Germantown. Um, But I ended up missing that entire year as a sophomore uh, because I was diagnosed with three stress fractures in my spine. So. Wow. Um, you know, it, it kind of is the impetus to the rest of uh, my playing career, which was just marred by injuries, pretty much. You know, even as a young kid, I dealt with knee issues. Um, I had osgood Slaughter disease. I had uh, back problems when I was in ninth grade at Montrose, and I just kind of played through it all. And it got too bad uh, for me to play once I, you know, came into my sophomore year, and I ended up. In a body brace, pretty much. my Gotcha. And um, you know, I I just missed that whole year. I came back right before the summer. I uh, started running with Riverdale uh, in in the summer leagues, and actually made the decision to uh, go to Good Counsel at the end of the summer. Um, but you know, I missed that that whole summer pretty much too, except for you know the beginning of it, uh, because. And I ended up tearing a muscle in my leg. And I guess I came back too quickly from my back and, you know, I I ended up going to good council, played in the WCAC. Uh, We had a a very talented team there. I played with James Gist who went to Maryland and then ended up starring overseas, winning tons of championships in Turkey and other places. Uh, Also played with Amari Israel who ended up in Notre Dame and then transferred to Leola. Rest in peace to him. And, um, and then I ended up leaving good counsel as well when a friend of mine, Cheyenne Moore, ended up contacting me. Uh, Cheyenne was up at uh, West Nottingham, and he basically was like, you know, I'm moving up to uh, South Kent School in Connecticut. My coach, Rafael Chilios, is going up there. You know, he's bringing in all these guys. I think you should come up. And so I did end up going up to South Kent. I uh, played with Darrell Wright, who ended up getting drafted out of South Kent uh, that year. I think that was the last year they were drafting out of high school, mm-hmm. uh, played with Cheyenne who went to, uh, to Clemson. He ended up transferring to GW. I played with Jack McClinton who initially went to Siena and then went to uh university of Miami where he killed, he ended up getting drafted. I think he ended up in Israel for a couple years. So had the opportunity to play with a lot of good guys. Uh, I did miss a bunch of time there in South Kent as well, dealing with my knee issues. Um, And I sat out pretty much the entire summer after my junior year when I was a good counsel. So um, when I got to South Kent, the the plan was to do a fifth year. And, uh, you know, we had a good team there. We were 28 and 10, um, you know, tons of talent there. And towards the end of the, the year and into the spring, you know, my knees just continued to get worse and worse. You know, the doctors told me that I had developed severe patellar tendonitis because of my back issues and then my history with my knees. Uh, So, you know, I I got really frustrated with myself and with the game. I couldn't get myself into shape. I mean, even there at South Kent, Aaron, Mm -hmm. you know, I was – I was I missed the first 12, 13 games. I came back my first game. I sprained my ankle. You know, I missed another, you know, four or five games. It was crazy. Brutal. Um, And so, you know, I, I decided to graduate instead of doing the fifth year. And I don't know if that was the right decision looking back or not, but I did. And I ended up taking a year off from everything to try to get my mind right. And, uh, you know, about six months into that year off, you know, that pool in my heart came back again. And I ended up putting my junior year highlight tape together and sending that out to some JUCOs. And Allegheny College of Maryland's coach gave me a call and, you know, made the decision to go up there and play. I uh, spent my freshman year there. Um, I think I was seventh in the country in assists, maybe eighth, something like that. I uh, did miss a good amount of time there, uh, probably played about 70% of that season, again, dealing with the same issues, um, and then I decided to transfer down to Blaine College, who played in the Region 14 Junior College Conference down there in Texas, Uh, great, great conference down there. They got teams like Kilgore and Paris and uh, San Jacinto, San Jack, that's where Steve Francis went, and a bunch of other guys. Uh, and Texas was great for my knees because it was so hot. I mean, I just stayed warm the whole time. So, uh, you know, I, was, I got myself into shape. I was feeling good. And uh, the, week, the first week of official practice, I subluxed my shoulder, tore my labrum in both the front and the back where it connects to my bicep. And uh, I tried to rehab it and come back. I played seven games. Uh, but it was, you know, it just didn't work out. And I ended up getting surgery. And that was pretty much the last time I could uh, show any coach that I could stay healthy enough to play for him. So that was the end of that.
0: That's tough, man. You know, how how did you get from there to, you know, point guard eyes? Kind of talk about that transition.
1: Uh, well, it's interesting, you know, after I came back from Juco, I, you know, I went to school, I, I graduated from Temple. You know, I tried to figure out who I was as a person because all I cared about was basketball up until that time. Um, so you know, I, I graduated from Temple and I moved back down here to Maryland as soon as possible. Uh, it's where I considered home. I love it here. And uh, I got married. I had my first, my son, my first kid, and I got my MBA. And after I got my MBA, you know, I, you know, I was working and I said to myself, you know, what do I want to do next with my life? And uh, I, I decided to, you know, try to you know, pick up coaching and th- and see if that was uh, something that would stick with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a good friend, Coach Chris Cole, who was at Clinton Christian at that time, building his programming. Uh, I was fortunate enough to join his staff for a few months. And after practice one day, my wife gave me a call and said she was pregnant with our daughter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you know, I, I said to to my wife, I said, I you know, I got to get some stable income uh, for us, and and you know, she was working as well, but. You know, nowadays you need two parents working in order to make it right. So, you yep. Yep. Uh, know, I, I jumped back into the professional life and, you know, a few years later, that pool just came back. You know, it was, it's just something that's uh, always been with me this game. So, you know, I decided to, uh, you know, do whatever I could to be part of the game to, you know, really participate in my passion, as I like to say. And uh, I decided since I couldn't be in the gym working guys out or coaching that, you know, I start this uh, player evaluation uh, service and, you know, it was just a hobby that I wanted to do something again to participate in my passion and keep myself involved with the game and, uh, you know, point guard eyes was born.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I actually remember the first time that I saw it, I was like, I was trying to figure out who it was for the first, like six months. It was, that was, it, it, it's just how it works in the DMV, man. There's always some connection somehow. Um, talk about, you know, you know, plug yourself real quick, you know, talk about the services available on the website and, you know, what... Um, your experiences as a player specifically as a point guard at, at a pretty high level, you know, talk about how those experiences lend like a different lens for you to evaluate players.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so point guard eyes, pointguard uh, I'm on Twitter at point guard eyes. Very simple. Um, you know, I, I provide ultra in-depth evaluations on players, grades nine to 12 boys and girls. Uh, I use videos to support the analysis that I provide. Um, I really try to dig down deep, feel like I owe it to the players, to the coaches, to the readers to provide as much detail as possible. Um, you know, the the evaluations I offer on different levels. Um, they're based on level of detail and each has different price points. Um, you can choose from a menu of options on the on the site so you can, you know, jump on point guard eyes. and. Uh, really fill out a form basically and submit a, a formal uh, request for an evaluation. I'm um, also do shorter, more succinct evaluations on Twitter. I'm sure you've seen those before. Um, it's basically a, a big thread that I'll put together on a player. Um, all the content is free. Uh, I'm keeping it that way for another year, at least. Um, you know, I, I like to evaluate players from the DMV obviously, because I have the access to them. Uh, But I've been doing other players pretty much all over the country. I'm not restricted to any geographical region. Mm. Uh, I've been sticking to the East Coast, but I've done players like DJ Wagner, Robert Dillingham, Jairus Walker, Justin Edwards, guys like that. Um, You know, you can always subscribe to the email list on the site. It's real easy to do. It's free. Uh, And that way you can receive notifications of any new evaluation that comes out, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on the site. And, you know, in those emails that I send out, you'll get additional context on the players that I review. Um, as far as, you know, my background and being a point guard and how it helps me, you know, I do think that it's it, it allows me to see some of the greater nuances and in the intricacies of the game, right? So, you know, I don't know if it's all attributed to being a point guard, but just being a player out there and you can see things like the subtleties of creating space with the ball, Mm -hmm. Um, You know, not just recognizing matchups on the floor, but actually knowing how to put yourself in a position to take advantage of those mismatches over your teammates. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, stuff like seeing the game in advance. You know, is this is this player able to see a move or two in advance before he actually makes his decision? Um, You know, playing a game within a game, setting a player up in the first quarter for move in the third quarter, that type of thing. Uh, playing with pace, the overall feel for a game, overall IQ, you know how a player functions in different offensive systems, you know, just stuff like that.
0: Love it, man. Love it. Yeah. Really, really do love your 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 Twitter threads too. So I'm, I'm tapped. <laughs> Appreciate it. So, um let's talk about, you know, we we just were at the wcsc together. Um I'm yeah. pretty sure you were there for all of the games. I missed uh one of the one of the semifinal games,
1: but Talk I missed about- the championship. Believe it or not, I missed the championship. Um, I had not worked, but I, I did see, see what happened. I got plenty of updates from you, from Capital Hoops, from all the guys.
0: So talk about the how wide open the conference was this year, you know, and, and why that was, you know, some general notes about it.
1: Yeah, uh, there was a ton of parity in the conference. Um, I really felt like there was six teams that could legitimately compete for the chip. Um, and then another couple that could give you an L on any given night. Um, you know, each team, I think, had different factors that really kept them competitive. You know, you always seem to have the typical people at the top, PVI, Matha, DeMatha, uh, Gonzaga, and then you have St. John's and O'Connell. Uh, but I think, you know, with the addition of McNamara on the scene this year, it really added to the depth of the conference even more. You know, in past years, they've been tough. To, to be, you know, they're they're always solid defensively, and especially with favor in the middle, um, you know, they're they're tough to to score on. But this year, you know, they added pieces. They like you said, they added shooting, um, and then they got themselves a point guard and and uh, Jeremiah Quigley. So I think the addition of McNamara really added to the depth. Um, you know, I think per- player personnel when you think about it across the teams was somewhat even overall and then if you throw in you know the, the different coaching uh, approaches that really leveled out the unevenness where it existed i think that was big um i think that defense played a big role in the in the parity of the conference i think you had multiple teams that could really defend i mean you look at that championship game those dudes were strapping man i mean absolutely Was the final score 42 to 41 Yeah. You no, know, i mean that's and then, and they showed it through the semifinals and the quarterfinals. They showed it all year. Those two were the best defense teams in the league, uh, along with Gonzaga, I would say. But I think that another big factor in the parity would probably be point guard play. I think if you look at those top six teams, you know they each had good point guards. Uh, you know, you had Doug at, at PVI, Quigley at uh, McNamara. Even though Rodney's not really a point guard per se. You know he's he's a heck of a player, and and you know he was playing the point for Dematha. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got Dinkins at Gonzaga, um, you got Paul Lewis and Dell Jones that were running it for O'Connell, and then Malik Mack at St. John's. I mean, those those are the top top six guys, top six teams. I think that's a big big factor into why there was so much parity.
0: I think the ball was really moving a lot more in, in than in years past. There was a lot of stars in the league too, but you know, the ball was was really moving at, at a high level. Um, I think. And just to shout out McNamara and Coach Keith Line, I mean, defensively, yeah, they're 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 solid every year, but this year they were really good. Like the the ball pressure that they were able to to come away with, just bothering shots, you know, outside of favor, sometimes funneling him, funneling guys towards him. Um, you know, they didn't have to force baseline because they got the big fella back there, you know, punching everything. So um, yeah. I thought offensively, I think, like you said, offensively was where they made the biggest jump. You know, JQ is a huge addition to them, you know, coming from a limited role at Matha and really showing that, that he can play. And I mean, the caveat to that is that he definitely improved this year. <laughs> you know, he was in much better shape, you know, at the beginning of the year um jumpers consistent and stuff but yeah he can get to the paint at will so I, th- I think his the the colleges that are involved with him will definitely only continue to uh multiply for sure talk about some of your favorite players going into the tournament
1: you know I don't I don't know if I have favorite players uh I really enjoy watching all these guys throughout the year um but you know I, there was just so many to like I, I think about the trio at, at Paula Six, but, McDaniel, Darren Harris, and Deshaun Harris-Smith. You know, I'm a big Tyrell Ward fan. I love the chip that he plays with on his shoulder. Um, Christian May, O'Connell. Again, Jeremiah Quigley. I really enjoyed watching him this year. Uh, The the duo down down at St. John's with Mack and Watson. Uh, Dinkins, big fan of Devin Dinkins and Gonzaga. Mm -hmm. And I really like Jamie Kaiser at Ireton. Uh, Big fan of his as well. A lot of the young guys in the league, like Swinton at uh, Damatha and Donnie Freeman, Okitondo at Carroll, um, Nick Lewis at Gonzaga, all those young guys. So there's so many to watch. It's hard to pick out a favorite.
0: Got you. What are some of the players that weren't necessarily on your radar, or you know, you've watched a lot of WCAC, but maybe you know yeah. stepped up in, in a way that you weren't expecting?
1: Um, I, you know, I don't know. If, and not not to sound uh, braggadocious or anything, but I, I was pretty well aware of everybody in the league just because you know I've been paying attention so much during the year and watching a lot of film, and mm-hmm. uh, so I was you know I knew of everybody's capabilities. But you know I really enjoyed watching Ben Hammond step up for Paul the Sixth uh, in the first couple games. Uh, he was huge for them. A lot of people were wondering how they would do without Darren Harris when he went down with the broken wrist. Uh, so. It was fun to watch Ben step up because he's very capable. He's a good player.
0: Hmm. Let's talk about some of the the and Ben was my answer for that, too, by the way. I, mean, <laughs> I think I think he had some moments and some flashes throughout the year. You know, Doug is just such a um, magnetic guy. And, and, you know, he's such a huge part of what they do. You know, I think he was kind of finding his way as a young point guard as far as you know, finding his spaces, you know, when to move the ball, when to attack the gaps, when, when to skip to the opposite corner, when he needed to score, when he needed to assist, when he needed to slow everything down. And, um, you know, I, I think to Doug's credit, you know, he did a great job mentoring him and, you know, allowing him to to be on that stage. And, you know, go ahead, Ben Cook, and, you know, he'll be on the far side or,
1: okay. you
0: know, just uh, a lot of the IQ just by osmosis, you know, he really came into his own this year. I actually think their other guard, Um, to this next question is one of the more unsung heroes, uh, Brandon Robinson, um, played a really, really good ball pressure defense, uh, throughout the weekend, just bothered a lot of shots. I think the offense is solid. It'll continue to come along. Um, I want to shout out one of my youngins on the uh, Bryson Hill, um, throughout the year, you know, just went from, you know, maybe the eighth or ninth guy in the rotation to sometimes starting, um, and, and being on the floor at the end of big games against national teams, big games against Gonzaga, St. John's, PVI, uh, just getting every loose ball and every rebound. I will tell you that it is a testament to his growth and maturity, because as a freshman, <laughs> he, he, on my freshman team, he was not doing a lot of the little things. He, he told coach that he he was not a big man. And uh, Coach coach looked at him like, you're a 6'4 freshman on the freshman (laughs) team. Right now, my friend, you are a big man. So, you know, a lot of that growth and maturity has been really cool to watch. But, you know, let let me get to you, though. Talk about some of the unsung role players that you really like that are flying under the radar right now.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I think of role players. I, I think of Gonzaga first. I think that, you know, that team, everybody on that team really accepted their role. And that was one of the reasons they had the success that they had this year. I think coach Steve Turner did a really good job of coaching those guys up. But I think the guys like uh, Quinn Clark and, um, you know, Eddie Paquette, those, those types of guys, even Jared Turner, really, you know, he's, he's really a three and D guy, mm. um, you know, great on the defense end and, and big threat from deep, you know, they all played their roles. Um, Thomas Batiste as well. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Onanina, I think that's how you say his name, from O'Connell, you know, mm-hmm. the big down there. You know, he did all the dirty work for O'Connell all year, uh, hit the boards hard, defended in the post. Um, you know, we talked about we talked about Hammond, but for PBI, you, you talk about Robinson, but you have to talk about the three guys, the three young guys, and Sundra, Womack, mm-hmm. and uh, Gerdak, right? So they were huge defensively, and they gave them the depth that they needed. Um, I, I just thought that, you know, the three of them, they came in and I, you know, I watched them play a lot this year and they came in in different times in different, in different games against different personnel that, you know, I thought that, uh, they were, they were just, they were really key in a lot of wins that they had. Um, I think about McNamara too. I think about, you know, we talked about Martin Somerville. I, I think that's a guy, mm-hmm. um, he came in and he could shoot it. Played great defense. I mean, in that in that semifinal game against the that he was he did a great job against Tyrell. I thought um, Chase Lawton is another guy that I think of. Jaron Curtis is good. You know, he's a young guy, but he played his role. So all those guys, I thought, were unsung to their to their success in McNamara as well.
0: I liked uh, too with Somerville, like something that a lot of young players, especially, struggle with is feeding the post. And, you know, whether that was a high hand or, or a bounce pass into the post, he really made sure that that favor got his looks down there. Um, just an interesting thing that, you know, kind of to the, the point guard thing that we were talking about earlier, a, a subtlety in Doug's game that I love that is trickling down to Ben is that whenever the opponent gets a big bucket, He's immediately taking the ball out of the net, inbounding it, and going the other end. And within three seconds, he's at the rim with the layup, yeah. floater, leaner off, glass. <laughs> he's getting fouled. Like, he is immediately cutting into your momentum, like right yeah. away. Um, yeah. That's something that I think uh, a lot of young players, especially point guards, should be looking at. So last question for WCAC. You know, talk about some of the, you know, maybe your top storyline or two uh, for next year's WCAC season.
1: Um, I, you know, I think you have to start with Paul, the six again, you know, I you know that young core that they have is coming back and, you know, how will they do, you know, how will they come together without, without, uh, Doug at the helm. And I, you know, I think of Deshaun Harris Smith, who is, you know, a dog of dogs, you know what I mean? And, and you got Hammond that's going to be running the show for him. He picked up all that experience this year. I mean, they played an intense national schedule and he was, he was a big part of their winning. Um, and then you got the three young guys that'll mature and you got Harris, that probably one of the best shooters in the, you know, on the East coast, maybe in the country. Uh, so that's definitely one, um, you know, can Dematha reload, you know, that's another question that you got to ask, you know, how will McNamara fill the presence in the middle? Uh, now the Favor's leaving. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I, I really like O'Connell's young core as well. I think they got a, a good core of uh, 2024s there uh, with Jaden Harris, Dale Jones, uh, Makai Chester, Jake Williams, that didn't see much time, but he's there. Um, and then, you know, can teams like reichen and Ireton uh, continue making the steps forward? I thought they both made, you know, positive steps forward in their program. It's a tough conference to, <laughs> to compete in. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I thought that they both played well. And then when you think about someone like St. John's, you know, who's going to step up and play with, with Mack and Freeman? Who's going to be the third, you know, main producer there in that program? So there's a lot of storylines.
0: Yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. I want to shout out two kids real quick. Uh, you know, to, to the point of next year, uh, Kiwan, I think, Richburg uh, for Riken, their point guard, is a mm-hmm. sophomore, 5'8". Um, I just think he's he's got a lot of potential. You know, he can just get to the paint whenever he wants. A lot of really good um, dump-off passes after he scored a couple buckets. buckets. Um, you know, a lot of floaters in the paint, pull-ups. He can shoot a little bit from distance, but I think he's more of a paint kind of destroyer, and I think he's going to be a name to watch going forward in the WCAC. And then also uh, Rehards-Vavers at, at Carroll. I thought he had a really good year. Um, second team all WCAC. Um, flying under the radar, I think, a little bit as far as his recruiting goes. He came in as a sophomore, um, had some issues with his passport, wasn't able to play his sophomore year, and then his junior year got messed up by COVID. Um, So, uh, you know, some mid-majors and low-majors are reaching out to him right now, but I I really hope that his run uh, in the WCACs and then, Hopefully in the, the DC states, you know, help attract some, some more attention in, in, in the recruiting lens. So all right, let's move to uh MIAA tournament thoughts. Um I have a couple, but I mean I really, really watched, you know, our games at Spalding and then and then the championship game.
1: Yeah. I, I you know after St. Francis got upset, you know, I, I did expect uh Mount St. Joe's to take it. I know that uh you guys were right there as well with Spalding. Um you know, I thought, you know, with Winborn and Perry having that, having that matchup uh, in the semifinals, I thought that was great. Uh, that's always a, a good matchup between point guards with, with those two. You know, Perry did come out on top with Mount Carmel winning. Um, and then I did check out your game against uh, Mount St. Joe's. That was a good game um, up until the beginning of the fourth quarter. You know, it was neck and neck. I think in the end it was a little too much uh, Tucker and, and Hansberry, but that was, yeah. you know, then it was, it, I think it ended up the way that I expected it to end up, especially after St. Francis uh, took that early exit.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, they took care of business, got to take hats off to them. I mean, Bryce, yeah. Bryce a freaking bro. I mean, there's just, I mean, sometimes just better offense, you know, I thought, I thought we defended him pretty well in some of the contests, but we let him get going early with, uh, a bunch of wide open threes off of pin downs that that I'm still frustrated with, but <laughs> we'll move on from that. one. Um, let's talk about the IAC tournament. You have any thoughts from that?
1: I do. Yeah, I I, I came away from that. You know, I, I've I've always I've been a big fan of uh, Saint Stephen Saint Agnes squad pretty much the whole year. Um, you know, I think that's one of the the more undersold teams in this area. Uh, they've got a, they got a heck of a team over there. And I felt, you know, the best team won that, that tournament, Um, you know, that championship performance that they, that they uh, displayed there against Episcopal, that was probably one of the best high school performances I've seen from a team this year. I mean, from start to finish, they were, they were after it and they, they shot it, they defended, they attacked. I mean, they were just, they were great in that game. I think they scored 96 points. Um, you know, Devin Caesar, big fan of Devin Caesar's. You know, he's one of the best scores in this area. Um, but the first seven, their first seven is just really tough, man. I mean, you look at uh, Elliot Black, Miles Webb, Mason So, you know, Caesar, uh, Garrett Brennan, Bryson Williams, or Bryson Wilson, excuse me, and then uh, Connor Dubsky. That's a good seven. And it's got size, it's got versatility, they got speed. Uh, So you know, I I do think that you know that that turned out the way it was supposed to turn out with them on top. But you know, with Episcopal, you know, I think that that coach did a great job over there. He got the most out of those kids all year. They had a great year. Um, You know that that semifinal matchup uh, that they took down Georgetown Prep was really a a rematch. I mean, they played each other in the last game of the regular season, so those two teams were really familiar with each other and. You know, with Georgetown Prep and Bullets, that's pretty, pretty tough conference as well. So, um, you know, again, I, I think that it ended up the way it was supposed to with St. Stephen, St. Agnes on top.
0: I th- I just want to shout out Coach Jones and, the, and their culture over there. Um, yeah, they really have the kids bought in, you know, between Caesar and Brennan. And then some of their shooters, I mean, any of them can go off for 20 on any given night. And most of the time, each of them get to 10 or 15. And there's just really balanced attack. You know, they run the 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 split cut uh, really, really well to perfection. And like you said, the defense just leads to offense. And when Devin Caesar gets going on the fast break, he he yeah. had some unbelievable dunks, so. I think he's going to have a really good career, Buffalo. Uh, but yeah, he's got the the Virginia States this week, so I think it will really show out there as well. Let's talk about the MAC tournament real quick. I, I can only speak on the on the championship game, but uh, you may have caught more games than I did.
1: You know, I didn't I didn't catch much of the MAC tournament. Um, I did catch them during the regular season. I fully expected Sidwell to come out on top. They were they've been a, a defensive, I mean, defensively they've just been superior all year. Um, you know, I, I think we were talking earlier. I, I watched them hold Wilson to seven first half points. I mean, they just another another team that's just very well coached. They got good personnel. Uh they got a young stud in Caleb Williams. Um, so I, I did, I fully expected them to come out on top, uh, despite St. Andrews playing well yet this year.
0: Yeah, Sidwell, I mean, I really like Christian Gamble's just so uh versatile. Defensively, I feel like he can carve one through three um, at the high school level, maybe even some fours. Um, and Cam Gellis was just getting wherever he wanted to in the paint. And he's an absolute pit bull defensively. Um, St. Andrews didn't have their best offensive showing. But I think a lot of that, you, you just have to credit Sidwell's defense, you know, the way that they swarmed. And, and they didn't really double that much. They honestly played straight up for most of it. Um as far as the ball screens goes and just fought through it and got over it. Um and St. Andrews was just missing shots. Um outside of uh I'm blanking on his name, uh St. Andrews best player, uh Makkay. I Troutman. I him. Uh, Trapman. Trapman. uh yeah. he had some big shots in the first quarter to get him going. The game was kind of even. Hit some big shots throughout. Um, but yeah, I mean you just have to credit Sidwell and, and what Coach Singletary has going there. And you know, he's got, he's got a really good young talent. I love uh Jalen, I'm gonna butcher Rugier Rowan. Um I'm sure oh, yeah. some some fancy way to pronounce that that I'm messing up. I apologize, y'all. But I think he's got a chance to be really good. You know, he's six four, six five, just built, you know, for a friend. Yeah. And I think his feel is really good um, offensively and defensively. So excited to, to keep an eye on them. So, uh, we'll talk about some individual prospects in this, in a second, but what, uh, what do you have in the BCLs? You know, what did you think of the first couple of games and what do you think of, uh, moving forward?
1: Well, I, you know, I think that really you got five teams there that are going to compete, uh, at the end of the day in, uh, St. Francis, Mount St. Joe's, Spalding, Mount Car- uh, Carmel, and, um, John Carroll. Right. So, you know, I think that uh, we are where we thought we'd be at this point in the tournament. Um, You know, when you, when you take a look at the composition of the teams, I think the St. Francis is built to win Um, with the, with that five that they put out on the floor It's they're just so difficult to defend because, you know, you never know, you know, who's going to do, who's going to inflict the damage on any given night. It could be, you know, Bryce Lindsay, it could be Lamoth and Carrington, and, you know, it could be Daquan Davis, who's probably been, you know, one of, if not the most consistent guys on their team all year. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, but when you got someone like, you know, uh, Cam Whitmore, who's probably the best, best player in the conference, then, you know, you got to feel good about your chances going in. Uh, and then, you know, Mount St. Joe's, of course, we talked about uh, Hansberry and Tucky, Tucker a little bit, but, you know, they have other guys too, like Ace Valentine and Austin Abrams that can really play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Mount Carmel's been great all year. I think that um, you know, not just Perry out front, but then they got uh, the big man, Luke Bang Boyer, I think is how you say his name.
0: Yep.
1: Um, shows a lot of promise in the middle. Yeah. And then, of course, Tyson Commander's been ripping it up all year. Uh, another, another big-time scorer in that league, so it'll be interesting to see what happens as uh, we get down to the end.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we, we just escaped out of Mont Carmel with a, a close win last night. You know, yeah. I was proud of the grit that our kids showed, you know, playing to the very end wasn't our best game, uh, especially defensively, but I think we care We're we're the intensity on that end of the floor has gotten much better. Um, and I mean, Cam's injury is just a lot of people want to talk about how he sat out all these games and stuff, but he's playing in the postseason, you know, through that injury and, he, and he's playing well. You know, he's dropped at least, uh, I think he had 18 or 19 in the first round game uh, in limited minutes. And then he had 20 last night, uh, including the game winning basket. So you can't say enough about him. Um, and yeah. Jordan Pennick um, has been an absolute dog all year for us. You know, he's playing through injury as well um just plays both sides of the floor incredibly hard um and you know at his height you know he's my height he might be about six foot you know i'll give him six one if he's listening he'll get all upset about that (laughs) but i mean he had a block against ppi where he he glassed he glassed this kid shit off the back when i was just like that's you know it's it's a lot of athletic ability but it's also the desire to that that i really love Um,
1: so yeah, he does he plays very hard
0: Yep. let's talk about uh some 22s that are flying under the radar because of covid
1: uh 22s i you know i'd start with one of your guys actually two of your guys so you mentioned panic already uh but i probably mentioned CJ Scott as well Big guard uh he can you know get to the rack he can distribute makes the right play um i think about another point guard in Ryan Blakey out of Fairfax Christian mm. Man, he heavy impact on the game. Talking about a guy who plays hard. He's fiery, he's feisty. Uh, You know, he's one of the the more impactful defensive players out on the perimeter in our area. I think about a couple guys at Rock Creek and Jeremiah Littlejohn and Todd Williams. Um, Both of those guys can play. A couple guys at Coolidge and Stephon Walker, Kyle Gaskins. Uh, Shooter over at National Christian, Takeo Carpenter. Uh, he's sure. you know he's played well he, he took he, he sat a few games recently due to injury but I've seen national play quite a bit this year and he's he's had some good performances and uh you know he could really fill it up um a couple guys over at Virginia Academy and Greg Williams Tazir Smith both of those guys are good uh, Elliot black at Saint Stephen St Agnes and then uh Kyle honore over at uh, Potomac as well. I mean, there's so many people in this area that can play. I uh, just saw the new release from DMV Elite uh, for the commitment list and the D2s and D3s list got a lot longer. So it's good to see guys picking up uh, the opportunity to play at the next level, regardless of where it is. Let's talk about the top of the the 23
0: class. You know, there there's a lot of talent graduating, but there's still quite a bit out here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Top of the class. Top. I think it starts with guys like Deshaun Harris, Smith, uh, Isaiah Coleman at National Christian. Um, he's another good one. Mike Williams up at Bishop Walsh. Um, obviously, he was at Calvert Hall before. I'm sure you know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you got guys like uh, Monty Hansberry, Jonathan Lamont, Carlton Carrington. Guy that I really like is Solomon Ball up at Saint John uh, Saint James. Mm-hmm. Tons and tons of potential and talent. He's very skilled, excellent athlete, super long. I think he's got seven-foot wingspan plus. He's at 6'4". Greg Jones at Hayfield, Jamie Kaiser at Iverson. So, uh, you know, the, the top of the class is looking good for 2023. I mean, you know, if you want to count him, K.J. Evans, I know he's down in Montverde, but he's a Baltimore guy. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go south to Richmond, you know, I, I gotta mention Dennis Barker Jr. and John Marshall. He's a great prospect as well. Heard about him. Yeah. Let's talk about
0: um, you know, the cla- the the 2024 class in the DMV is absolutely unbelievable. Um great. you know. I don't even want to list them because there's there's, <laughs> there's so many good ones that I don't want to leave them out and, and provide some. Yeah, it's always a
1: worry that you leave somebody out, right?
0: Yeah. Let's talk about yeah. some under-the-radar kids in that class that that you really like that stand out to you.
1: Under-the-radar, I would say uh, Ty Bevins mm. at uh, Gwynn Park. Love it. Uh, Tavares Riley at Freedom. Mm. I don't know if you consider Robert Dockery under the radar at Wilson, but uh, you know, being that he's at the, at a public school, he doesn't get as much publicity as maybe some of the private school guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler Boston at Bullis. I, like I think that. he's a really good point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, TJ Robinson up at Bishop Walsh. You know, I know he's originally from Jersey, but uh, you know, he can be considered part of our area now. <laughs> A uh, couple guys down at Highland, you know, Isaiah Abraham and Patrick Bonga. Uh, those two guys could really play. So those are, those are some of the under the radar guys, I would say. I mean, the top, I mean, we, we could talk all day about the top.
0: Yeah. 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 There's there's so many big names to choose from. So yeah. let's talk about the freshman class, you know, some, some studs. You know, Nick Lewis is obviously toward the top of that list. You know, talk about some
1: high potential kids, some kids that you like in that class as well. Um, well, you mentioned one, uh, Jalen rougier Rome from Sidwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy is Cam, Roard, Cam Board from Largo. He can really play. Um, you know, we talked about Christian Gerdak at PVI and Jaquan Womack. Both of those guys can really play. I'm looking forward to their futures. A guy that might not uh, be on anybody's radar is Christian Thomas at C School of Maryland. He's on mine. <laughs> He's on yours, right? Bay. Yeah. 6'6 yeah. <laughs> yeah. kid. Uh, you know, he runs with thrill. He's really starting to put it together. Big kid, good kid, works hard. So uh, that's a that's guy that's on my radar. Derek Dixon down at Gonzaga. Didn't get a whole lot of time, but um, hear really good things about him. And then Jaron Curtis at McNamara. Uh, Frank Siaka Bay. He's a big at Georgetown Prep. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know he sat out due to injury um, for the last bit of the season, but he's got some good potential, great size. And then there's a kid down at uh, St. Anne's Belfield by the name of Austin Williford. Mm -hmm. Saw him play a couple times. I was impressed with him. Athletic, long, uh, got good size for a freshman, so i will be interested to see how he does as well.
0: Cool. I appreciate it. I mean, that's a lot of good names and some of them I haven't heard of. So, so kudos to you. <laughs> yeah, there's so many games, so many teams. I see a lot of tweets, you know, that, that is cool to see under the radar, of the kids. So um, talk about, you know, one of my friends, PD Webb, I feel like he he's a shout out on every podcast I do, but uh, he has a, a, a thought that feel is teachable. Do you agree or disagree with that?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that the field can be learned. That um, can be learned over time. I, but there's a caveat. You know, I think there's levels to it, right? I think that, you know, you can teach a, a player um, decision-making and feel for the game and, you know, what to do when you see certain things, making reads. Um, but I think that those who innately have that feel without having to be taught, um, or probably on a higher plane, if that makes sense. Mm,
0: mm, Absolutely. Um, talk about what you've learned about betting on certain coaches or certain cultures. Um, as far as, you know, if, if, you know, Aaron Proya, you know goes to you know northwestern high school you know if he is you know, if he's not a good three-point shooter but that that coach turns out three-point shooters pretty much every year by the time they're seniors you know you you tend to kind of believe in it a little bit more is, is that something that that you feel is accurate
1: yeah i think to a point i think that you know like most things in life you know there's complexity to it um but I think that, you know, when you, when, you send a, when you see a player go to a certain program and you know that they have a, a deficiency or two, you can have more confidence that uh, they'll develop those, those weaknesses and the strengths. But I, I think it's got to be a two-way street, right? I think the player has to take care of his responsibility as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got to be in the gym. He's got to be working on it. Um, but I think, you know, obviously some coaches and some programs have a better track record than others for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure.
1: Yeah.
0: Let me give you uh, one more question. Then we'll do some quick hitters and get out of here. I, I, appreciate the time, uh, what, what makes the DMV special?
1: Yeah, it's, it's something that I've thought about a lot actually. And, um, you know, my final answer is, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, you hear a bunch of stuff. You, I think, uh, you hear a lot about culture, you hear a lot about coaching. I, I think all those things have something to do with it. You know, the kids around here, they grow up, you know, they watch players who just know how to play. You know, they watch players that they they that are very good, and they're high level, and they absorb that. Um, and I think that this area is so competitive that it breeds work ethic because the kids see, you know, player A is this good and I got to work this much harder to be on his or her level. Mm. Um, yeah, it's almost like a corporate knowledge that gets passed down. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. like iron sharpens.
0: iron sharpens iron for sure. And honestly, yeah. I, I can attest to the fact that 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 trickles down to coaches as well, you know, as, as far as just being around, you know, really legendary or, you know, nationwide, you know, very well-known respected coaches, you know, that, that are just in our area. I mean, yeah. there's at least five or ten that I think could easily coach at the college level and they could do it successfully. And and some of them recently have. <laughs> Shout out Coach Jones. <laughs> uh so let's let's hit some quick hitters. So uh what's a great podcast or YouTube series that you are into? Oh
1: the old man in the three. I love JJ Reddick's podcast. Mm, good yeah. call.
0: I like that one.
1: If you were the czar
0: of high school basketball for a day, what would you change?
1: Um Man, I'd, I'd help out the public schools, man. I, I, I would change the way that they're governed. You know, I'd allow them to abide by the same rules that these private schools get to, to play by, you know, starting with the live period events, right? You know, these there's talent in the public school leagues and they, they deserve the, the opportunity to be seen as well. And then obviously I'd make sure that every single high school had a shot clock installed, so...
0: reaching to the choir here right there's literally no argument uh, for for why it shouldn't be that case i don't know how it still continues to exist i hate watching out-of-state basketball because it's it's just like it's mind-numbing uh what was the the first time you were in a room when you realized you had a lot to learn about the game of basketball uh
1: it was my first day of school with montrose when i moved up from west virginia (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah, Coach, coach is uh, phenomenal from what I hear. So uh, what's the best player you've seen or, or played against who never made it to the league?
1: Um, there's a few guys that come to mind. So, you know, I start, you know, being from West Virginia, I got to see Jason Williams and Randy Moss play quite a bit as a young young kid. And wow. so I, I, I will throw Randy Moss, you know, I know that he, he's probably one of, if not the greatest wide receiver ever, but uh, he could play, man. He could really play. I mean, I remember hearing a, a, a story about him going up to Georgetown and, and running uh, pickup when Jordan was in Washington playing with the Wizards. And they say <laughs> he was, they say he looked great. And I don't doubt it, man. He was really, really good. Yeah. He was skilled. He wasn't just athletic. He could play. Yeah, um, But, there's another guy in West Virginia. He was a McDonald's All-American. His name was Brett Nelson. He went to Florida. Uh, he helped them get to the national championship his freshman year. And then by his junior year, he was averaging 17 a game, I think. And then he broke his foot. And uh, he was never the same after that. But he's one of the best shooters I've, I've ever seen in person. Um, and then one more guy I would say is Jonathan Hargit. Uh, Jonathan Hargit. It was ridiculous. And I, originally from Richmond, uh, he kind of moved around a bit in high school, but he did spend a year in National Christian, um, and that year was was bananas. That year was nuts.
0: Got you, got you. I mean, just a quick one, real quick. Do you, do you remember Tyler Ralph? Yeah, I remember
1: Tyler Ralph. He's doing his thing now.
0: Yeah, so he's actually from my hometown. So, I uh, started started West Virginia. Um, and then ended yeah. up transferring to St. Bonaventure and having a, a good career there before uh, a good secondary uh, career as a trainer. Uh, he's killing them down yeah. there in Texas. I feel like every good player. I follow him on Instagram just to see. I mean, I follow him in general to support, but also just to see, like, what the next best player in Texas looks like because <laughs> I feel like all of them are going <laughs> through his the gym.
1: Everybody um, through the gym, yeah.
0: Yeah. A historical coach or, or current coach you wish you could have played for?
1: Phil Jackson. The,
0: the man invite yeah. three basketball minds to a dinner to chop it up with.
1: Um cubie brown. Hmm. Eric Spolstra. And it would probably it it's a tie between LeBron and Chris Paul. One of one of those two. I'd oh, yeah. love to pick their brain.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would love to sit down with, with Charles Oakley. <laughs> 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 just get to hear some of those stories. I feel like he's got some good ones. All right, sure. uh, this one's a lot more cut and dry. MJ or LeBron? Jordan. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Keep, keeping that streak going. I appreciate it. Would you rather take a charge from Shaq or try to guard
1: KD with the game on the line? <laughs> uh, I'd have to go with KD, man. I, You know, he not saying that... He wouldn't hit the shot, but you know, at least I'm going home to my family after the game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I got kids, man. I got kids." <laughs> What's the best dynasty you've seen? In basketball, All the bulls. Yeah. yeah. Underrated, underrated. Twitter follow me. <laughs> I was gonna say that is an opportunity to plug yourself if you need it. I'm underrated, guys. I'm underrated. Yeah. What's the hardest shot in basketball?
1: Oh, it's the uh speed dribble into the pull up three.
0: Hmm.
1: That's yeah, a tough shot, man. You gotta get your feet right, you gotta be on balance, you gotta go straight up in the air. It's a tough shot.
0: For me, it's that it's that when you get that pass in the block on the fast break at, at late at the last second and the defender's close to you. <laughs> you don't want to float it. You, if you use the backboard, you're gonna get your shit punched. It's just yeah, it's awkward. All right, man. Uh I, at the end of every podcast, I kind of flip it on the guests, and you know, I ask them if they have a question for me. So you have anything for me, boss?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, when was the What was the moment that you realized that you wanted to pursue a career in basketball? And you know, how did that come about? Mm. Um,
0: I wouldn't say a specific moment. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how deep I want to go here. I uh, I mean, so my my parents separated when I was coming up. And so a lot of the, the the frustrated, you know, nine-year-old Aaron, you know, w- w- was shooting shooting hoops outside and just losing myself in the game um, and enjoyed playing in it. And, you know, I could, I could always shoot it. I could not handle the ball, but I, I could always shoot the ball and uh, wasn't a great player. You know, um, I, I played on my eighth grade team at this rinky-dink little Christian school, 50 kids, K through 12 and our our first game ever we got bombed out we got we lost 89 to 10 they played us they scheduled the defending league champions on the road for our first game in school history uh, but my one claim to fame is I scored to all 10 of those points. <laughs> not an efficient outing, but I did score all 10 of those. So, uh, I mean, I just, I, I went to a public school, a big public school, kind of the upstate New York equivalent of Bethesda Chevy Chase, you know, a thousand kids. It was a big culture shock. Did not make the JV team. And uh was really frustrated by that. And... Uh, quit football Uh, you know I'm I'm built like a linebacker so I don't my dad's still not happy about that decision but (laughs) I quit football and uh, just focused on basketball that summer Uh, you know the coach I, I went in the first day of practice and he reiterated you know you have like a next to zero chance of making varsity, you know, especially because you haven't been playing summer league and stuff. So, yeah, I did enough to to for him to put me on the team, and and was on varsity for two years. We won second my, one nice. sectional is my junior year, runner up my senior year. Um, had some some college hoopers on that team, so. You know, when I when I decided to, to even try out for that team and then, again, senior year to stay on the team, you know, it was a big-time commitment, and I barely cl- played. I don't think I scored my junior year. <laughs> go, go, we, we'd be blown out of team by 30. You put us in with, like, 48 seconds left. I'm like, all right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the time commitment, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it, but I really loved the game and really wanted to be around it. So I think when I was in junior college, to answer your question, when I was in junior college – I knew I wanted to do that. I just had to figure out the nine to five. And you know, that's
1: something that <laughs> yeah.
0: something that like 10 years later I'm still still trying to figure out. But you You're know not alone. You're not we'll, alone, man. We'll get there eventually. So yeah. I got one last question for you. Uh, what what do you want your legacy to be?
1: Uh legacy. It's a big spring um, on you there. <laughs> yeah. You mean as point guard eyes or as a person? As a person a uh, legacy, you know, somebody that, uh, you know, lived by the rules of Jesus Christ, not the rules, the uh, the word of Jesus Christ, um, somebody that, you know, just lived his life in a way that tried to make the world better than when he left it, you know, a, a place that, uh, you know, there, I guess what I'm trying to say is I want to be able to to, you know, Teach my children uh, a better, you know, a better way than than the way that I lived. Anyway, uh, making better decisions, um, you know, just being good citizens of Earth and on the planet. Um, but uh, the main thing is, you know, making sure that I lived in a way that pleased Jesus, who's my Lord and Savior. So um, that's that's really the main main takeaway I would want anybody to say if they were standing at my funeral. There you go.
0: That's a good legacy to have. Appreciate the time, brother. Let let the people know where they can find you on uh, your website and then you on social media as well.
1: Uh, PointGuardEyes.com. It's spelled out P-O-I-N-T-G-U-A-R-D-E-Y-E-S.com. I'm on Twitter at PointGuardEyes. Please come and follow. Check out the site uh, if you're interested in getting an evaluation. Just submitted a request, hit me on the DMs, let me know. Um, you know, I just want to help everybody that I can. And, um, you know, if you have any uh, arguments against uh, what I see or, you know, what I observe about your game, I'm happy to talk about that as well. You know, the main thing is I just want, you know, the player to get better um, and to benefit from what I what I see and write the analysis. There you go.
0: Appreciate the time, brother. Have a great day.
1: Thanks a lot for having me. All right. All right.